You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. This week, we are talking about The Boys still because it's a hit show on Amazon, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, this is this show is uh, something else. Like, I guess they're saying with this successful season two, we're getting a spinoff. Yeah, a spinoff. Like, all the kids, not the kids, but like the college-aged kids that have superpowers apparently go to a college that is fronted by Vought International, basically, so that they can learn how to use their powers. I'm, I'm betting you that they're going to uh, sell this as a a kind of like raunchy Harry Potter kind of thing. Like, you're going to have a bunch of you know, hormonal young adults, adolescent teenagers, or whatever you want to call it, uh, just having superpowers and, and killing each other and stuff like that. Oh yeah, no, totally. Like, like my initial thought is X Men, you know, because it's the school of superheroes. <clears throat> but you're right; it's gonna be that, like, yeah, here's you know, horny Potter. <laughs> yeah, no, and, take it that's, what extreme. that's what I was talking about last week. Like, there's the issue of the boys where uh, Huey gets introduced to essentially what is the X Men in this universe, and it's a bunch of uh, frat boy guys that are just living in a house together that are technically a part of this i forget what it's called but it's it's essentially the x-men but they're in training so to speak so uh yeah i don't know how this exactly is going to fit into the world of the show but i'm sure people are going to be there for it oh yeah it'll have a fan base i just don't know if it'll last as long though i think the novelty might wear itself thin i think so too Uh, but never know but yeah i i like i myself as a as a newcomer fan just because of the show like i could see maybe trying episode one but if it's just gonna be because like what intrigues me about the boys is the fact that there's still character personalities that i want to investigate like i want to learn more about huey i want to see what he's gonna do now uh i'm intrigued by billy you know it's like okay and even homelander it's kind of like okay maybe that's where that perverse curiosity comes from but then if you're going to throw a show at me with a bunch of bad boy-esque homelanders it's going to be like eh, i might pass yeah yeah no exactly uh so but then because we're talking about the boys we decided we wanted to come up with a little bit of a three-way challenge so to speak uh there the seven from the boys is essentially an alt jla right it's it's the jla perverted it's the Black Mirror yep. version of the JLA. And we've seen this prior to uh, The Boys. We have it in uh, DC Comics Direct called The Crime Syndicate of America. And then we also have it in the Marvel Universe called The Squadron Supreme. First, originally, as you pointed out, uh, called The Squadron Sinister. 
but Marvel wanted to have their own good guy version, so they came with the Squadron Supreme. So yeah, so for us comic book fans, this is old hat, but it's going to be interesting. So we're going to take these new, uh, new extreme heroes, and we're going to put them up against their classically sinister counterparts, and we're going to see who's the ultimate evil out of the worst of DC, the malicious of Marvel, and the twistedness of the boys. We're going to put them in a battle. And we're going to decide. All right. This is the best of the of the worst. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna just throw them in a blender and see what comes out. <laughs> so, before we get into that, let's get into that spinner rack and find out what is new on New Comic Book Day. All right, so let's begin with Tuesday, which will be the first comic book day of the week, and that will be nothing but DC comic books at your local comic shop. So, this week we have Batman Superman Annual Number One. There's a new Batman Superman book right now, and it is being written by Josh Williamson. So he looks like he's going to just bring us a fun little issue of Batman versus Superman at the mercy of Mr. Mixelplick and Batmite. A Batman the Joker War continues, so we are going to get the Joker War Zone one shot. And if you are a fan of Spoiler or Orphan, I would definitely keep your eyes out for this one because it looks like this is going to start... Uh, some transformations for those two characters, maybe even considering some throwbacks in their terms of their costumes, and it's going to lead towards a new direction of where they're at. We will also be receiving issue two of Batman 3 Jokers. Uh, I got lucky to read this one. Wow, Jason Todd fans, I know you're already buying this book because you totally won't miss it. But man, there are going to be some huge moments. And if you read issue one, you thought there was a huge moment. No, it, it takes it even that much further. Um, I have to say, I really love the symbolism that's in these comics. Because when you look at a panel, it tells you something more. So when you sit down with this one, pull out your magnifying glass and get ready to go old school detective. We'll drop this little bit of a spoiler at you. I want you to think about it for issue three. Who hates Batman the most? The Joker is three Jokers, and there's ways to have multiples of them. Take the Joker out of that equation and ask yourself, who hates him the most? Because that might be the setup. This is just now my speculation. That might be the setup of who the ultimate Joker could wind up being. Um, And once again, there's going to be a lot of variant covers for this one. Uh, I think they're really exciting. This time, it'll be focused more on the criminal Joker, as they call him. So he's more the classic golden age era one uh the regular cover a i think is great cover b is batgirl uh then they'll have variations of color they have one the d variant which is very reminiscent of heath ledger's joker when he was behind bars kind of in that similar vein um we'll get a classy joker and then a joker putting on some makeup hmm makeup joke like is he putting on the white makeup or is he putting on the peach makeup there He's put on the, the, the peach flesh tone. Oh. Uh, so maybe that's kind of a shout out to Jack Nicholson's Joker, you know, has to uh, be very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm, I, I have to say, I'm really enjoying the series. I wish it would have come out earlier, obviously, because who wants to wait? But it, so far it's doing good. So if we're two thirds of the way through all, all Johns has to do is stick the landing. But that scares me. I mean, I really do like Jeff Johns. I know both you and I, we always hold him in high regard. After Doomsday Clock, I was kind of let down with how that series ended. So I just hope this doesn't turn out to be a big nothing. Oh, it's considered Black Label, huh? 
The, yes. Um, I mean, they're still at the regular comic book size. Um, I think Black Label is just... I think that was a safe one to use because it does two things. One, ooh, it's Black Label, so it must be edgy. So that's going to get some of your your older Batman fans to return. And then two, if it sucks, then they can always say, it's not continuity because it's exactly. Black Label. Yeah, exactly. That's what I feel like that is. Um, but no, so far, I mean, we haven't seen any uh, bat poles or anything like that. <laughs> Uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal continues on. So this time we get Dark Knight's Death Metal Ultiverse's End. Um, I flipped through this one. It looks really interesting. If you are fans of Guy Gardner and Jon Stewart, and even Kyle Rayner gets a good moment in there, uh, if you're fans of the other Green Lanterns, this is the issue to definitely check out. Uh, It's just going to take a multiverse of characters and give them some huge moments and really try to link all the uh, crises and a continuity shaking events of DC comics. And since we are talking about the crime syndicate, Owlman actually gets a big moment in this book as well. Wait, wait, wait. Cover B though. Cover B for this one shot has Captain Carrot on the cover. Are you meaning to tell me that they are bringing in the zoo crew as a part of this multiverse end? So I don't think they're necessarily bringing them in because if you look at the cover, they're all laying on the floor dead looking and you have captain carrot on his knees screaming in the rain. So it looks like (laughs) this is his moment to avenge them because the multiverse is like, nah, we don't care for you guys. (laughs) I mean, that's 44 bucks for that one or 50 bucks. If you buy it straight out. Yep. Yeah. um, That's that cover. (laughs) Yep. Just for that cover. Oh yeah. So unfortunately fans of the uh, zoo crew, are going to be royally ticked off. And it's funny because since we're talking about um, homages to the original, basically the zoo crew is an homage to the Justice League. It's just, what if they were animals? <laughs> Maybe because yeah, we'll Captain Carrot is like a Captain America, or no, I'm sorry, is a Superman, but he gets his powers from eating carrots, right? Something to that effect, yeah. So he's like Popeye Superman in the form of a bunny. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, crazy stuff. <laughs> uh, let's see. Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey issue three will be out. This reunites Jimmy Palminati, Amanda Connor, and Harley Quinn for them to kind of ride off the coattails of the movie and see what they can do with those classy ladies of the DC universe. On Constantine Hellblazer number 10 will be out. Justice League Annual 2 will be out. Uh, This continues on the Robert Vendetti run, so if you were definitely enjoying it, and you kind of want to see a little bit of a uh, trapped inside the spooky mansion, a.k.a. the Hall of Justice, this is definitely going to be an issue for you. Legion of Superheroes number 9 is out. That'll continue on with Brian Michael Bendis' adventures. Uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws hits issue... Or, sorry, Red Hood Outlaw issue 49 will be out, and that's going to continue... More of Scott Lobdell's exiting of the book and his final journey with Jason Todd. Wonder Woman 1984 will be getting a one-shot in celebration of the movie, uh, which, what, I think got recently pushed back to December? Is that correct? Mm. Yes, yeah, the, the the movie, yes. Yeah, so the, the production here was unfortunate that they stayed on time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's good. I think that'll just whet fans' appetites even more, and even more of an excuse to reprint this book when it comes closer to. 
Uh, Wonder Woman, the main book itself, will be hitting issue 763. And this continues on the adventures of Maxwell Lord and Wonder Woman as well. So those will be all the books coming from DC this upcoming Tuesday. Dark Horse will be treating us to some Stranger Things science camp. So they'll be having some adventures of playing with that. So if you're a fan of the TV series, definitely pick up that new number one. Uh, we also have a little bit coming to us, since we're talking about The Boys, uh, Dynamite Entertainment will be releasing The Boys Dear Becky, Issue 5. Um, I'm not too sure who Becky is. From the art, it almost looks like she might be... Um, is that the female? I mean, I don't think that's who it's supposed to be, but... And maybe it's just the cover, then. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't... I don't... Is Becky supposed to be, is that the, the girlfriend that um, Huey lost at the beginning of the show? I think, I think you might be right because as I'm looking at, so the cover A, you know, it looks like, yeah, it's the female being held by an elephant sniffed by a giraffe. <laughs> uh, and then the variants for B and C are similar. Just one is black and white, one is colored. Uh, and it almost looks like, yeah, it looks like it's Huey being kissed by i'm guessing becky in the classic spider-man style so maybe you're right maybe this is like a uh uh, an ode to becky who was shortly in our lives of the lives of the boys yeah army of darkness will continue to be coming at you death to the army of darkness number five will be out so if you want to get some more of that hell of the king chin baby action that's the place to go for it Oh, and by the way, this reminds me, these are going to be all the books that are coming out on Wednesday. Only one that will be going uh, Tuesdays, and then everybody else will be going on Wednesdays. So let me see if I can get those Marvel books coming to us. I mean, are you reading any of the Death to the Army of Darkness? No, I'm not going to lie to you. I tried it at first. Um, I tried it at first, but I guess... I think I am a stickler for continuity uh, just because if I'm going to buy something, I want to know it all counts. And it's one of those things where it's like, I know at the time of the comics, they weren't making any, uh, any books or sorry, at the time of the comics, they weren't making any movies. So it's not like the movies could come back and respect that continuity. Uh, the comic book, you know, did its best to respect the continuity. Uh, sometimes it'd be a little bit out there and whatnot, which is fine. When they did the show, um, Ash versus the Army of Darkness. Ash just, versus it, the Evil Dead. Yeah, there we go. Ash versus the Evil Dead. It just it felt like it was like okay, well, this is the movie continuity, so it didn't count. But it's like, well, you know, when you're when they keep bilking you for episode after episode after episode of the comics, kind of just felt like it's like, yeah, they're just doing this for the property to make something. That's great, but if it doesn't count, I don't want to end up like all the Star Wars fans who bought those bajillion of dark horse books just to find out once they went to Disney, it's like, eh, it probably doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I already did that to me with Spider-Man. So it's okay. <laughs> so like I said, I tried it. If it catches my eye, I'll read it just because it's a great escape. You know, it's, it's fun. It's humor. It's, or it's slapstick, you know, and that's just about it. But I try to remind myself, but unfortunately my continuity brain just doesn't let me relax. <laughs> All right, well, let's see. We will go to Marvel Comics now. So Avengers issue 36 will be out, and this continues the uh, 
the Moon Knight saga. So Moon Knight is going a little bit crazy here, and he's trying to take over the world. So on this one, we get a nice cover of Moon Knight versus Black Panther. So that'll be very interesting to see those two characters go to toe-to-toe. Um, if you're a fan of the Alex Ross Timeless covers, there will be some more this week. So this week, the Avengers issue 36 will feature a Ghost Rider variant. And I love that one because I'm so happy that they went with Johnny Blaze and they even threw it back to his old jumpsuit with the stripes. That's awesome. But uh, like, so, uh, you know, Alex Ross, when he draws or illustrates, like we've, I always understood it that he used a life model uh to get the 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 version correct right um yes what do you think he does to get a person's head on fire like that <laughs> no i i wouldn't be surprised if he takes an action figure or <clears throat> maybe he you know bought a mannequin and and actually set it on fire and took a couple pictures um, okay that i I, I mean, I don't think they're going to show you that on alexrossart.com <laughs> or in one of the books, but I could see him doing that. Like, I mean, he very much does. He studies light. Uh, he wants to see yeah. how when a character looks up, how does the night light reflect off the nose and, and the eye sockets and stuff like that. So I very much could see him being like, you know what? Yeah, let's let's take something, set it on fire. And then I want to see how these flames go. Like, where would the shadow be and all this and that? Interesting. Um, it's actually funny, though, talking about that in terms of light. So with Ghost Rider, the original Ghost Rider, his jumpsuit, he actually wasn't supposed to have stripes. That was just a line to help the artist know where the arms and legs were because the jumpsuit was going to be all black. Oh. So you know how black, like if you look at Superman's hair, it has blue in it. Right. The lighting effect. Yeah, that's originally what was supposed to be going on for Ghost Rider's costume. That's funny. <laughs> yep, so took it a step too far. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier issue three is finally back. I've been waiting for this book for quite a while. Uh, this is going to be a nice offering until we finally get TV show on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, we are we are finally back on track with this book. Uh, issues one and two were really fun, so I might have to revisit those before I read three. Um, I'm excited for three because both the cover and its variant feature Bucky and Sam in their Captain America costumes. So it'll be really exciting to see those costumes come out of the mothballs again. Fantastic Four hits issue 24. And again, if you're looking at those timeless Alex Ross covers, we will have the Human Torch on issue 24. Actually, I'm sorry, we will get all of them on issue 24. Uh, Johnny, Sue, Reed, and Ben. So uh, that's a book you might have to buy four times if you're going for the covers. <laughs> Actually, a pretty smart move. <laughs> well, uh, let's see the four uncolored versions of them too. So you could buy all eight. Yeah. Yeah, you could you could go bananas on that one. <laughs> uh, this is a neat book that Marvel's doing: Giant Size X Men tribute to Len Wein and Dave Cockrum. So Giant Size X Men changed everything. It didn't just change it for the X Men. I mean, it changed everything. It really started making a big push for more representation in comics. And this took it not just on a local level, but on an international level. I mean, we have characters from Russia, from Africa, Canada, um, and in Germany as well. And then also we have representation of various races and religions. So I thought that was huge. I thought that was a great in comics. So they're going to take the actual issue as written by Len Wein. And they will have a jam of artists come in and do things. So, like, one artist will specifically paint one page and then pass it on to the next. I think that's going to be really cool because it'll be wild to see how different artists interpret scripts. 
So how will they lay it out? Uh, how will they pose people? What will the dynamic action look like? And as well as getting all these different uh, art styles. So I'm very excited for this one. I I recommend picking it up just because it's a beautiful story to read, but now you're going to get to see it tailored in various ways. Uh, we will have multiple covers of that one again as well. So it's up to you to decide. Um, gosh, let's see. What are we looking at here? One, two, three, four, five, yeah, at least five different variant covers. Uh, one of them's neat. The one that has the ring of the X-Men, that's actually Dave Cockrun's art. So you can get him as well from the original art. Um, a mortal Hulk will get a threshing place. So this will be a, I think it's a one shot. And so Jeff Lemire is going to give his spin on the immortal Hulk and what's going on there. Marvel zombies resurrection. Number two will be out. I have to say, I'm actually enjoying this series. Um, Marvel zombies has been around for a while and it just, same thing kind of with that army of darkness. It just got melt too much. Um, but this one, luckily, it's got an intriguing story. It makes me want to care about the characters. So this one's more a Walking Dead version. So you have heroes that are still alive and you're watching them as they struggle to try to deal with this new Marvel zombie plague that has hit Marvel Universe. So that's been really interesting. Uh, Marvel's X continues on, so we will get issue five. So I don't know if you remember this series from a while back, but they had Earth X. And so what Marvel's X does is it tries to bridge the gap between Marvel's and then Earth X as well. So Earth X was their Kingdom Come-esque story where what happens to the Marvel Universe of the future. Uh, so it spun off into three parts. You had Earth X, uh, Universe X, and then Paradise X. So now we're going to get the prequel Marvel's X as well. Wow. Yeah. So um, it's been a tough one because... Like they trick you because if you look at, if you can see that they've got those screens, the Marvel X are covered, those covers, and they're really beautiful looking. I mean, you just see some awesome Alex Ross art. When you open it up, there is no Alex Ross art inside. So it's kind of a ruse in that regard. The story's been okay, but it just hasn't been enough to pull me. Uh, it is kind of neat though to get to see some famous last stands. Because when you read Earth X, like you knew Daredevil was already dead. Here we get to see more of he got to be dead <laughs> uh savage avengers issue 12 is out so that tells me we've had one year of conan in the avengers which is crazy uh shang chi is coming back so we are going to get a brand new number one there by gene lun yang and dyke ruin philip or sorry dyke ruin and philip tan bringing the art um, all three of those guys have done some amazing stuff so it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with shang chi uh, there's quite a bit of variant covers to choose from as well. Uh, holy moly, yeah, there is a lot. And then we're going to get some Star Wars books. Uh, if we move along, if you are, again, looking at those Alex Ross Timeless covers, Strange Academy number three will feature the Doctor Strange Timeless cover. So that's something to keep on your radar if you're looking for that. A Strange Academy is kind of interesting. It's basically kind of that Harry Potter vibe that you were looking at, um, where... Young heroes get trained in the ways of the mystic arts. Uh, X-Factor issue four will be out this week, which continues on with the X of Swords. So that'll be part two. And again, if you're looking for those timeless covers, X-Factor number four will feature Angel in his classic look. Okay, so that's what's on your spinner rack for this week. Let's go ahead and get into our challenge. Yes. So now it comes down to the big event. <laughs> Three-way <laughs> throwdown between a bunch of cheaters 
oozers and wild cards. <laughs> I mean, it, it it it's funny to to see all the same the same uh, versions of these these characters and and how exactly will we determine who's going to be the best or who's going to win and stuff like that. All we have is the books themselves to go off of, but like obviously any writer could write whatever character you know uh bigger or stronger or you know better so to speak but what of the three teams which one's which one do you like to read the most ooh that's tough i mean honestly i guess in the end so i have yet to read a boys comic i've enjoyed the show so far and once i get some uh, time to read more comics i can definitely see myself checking out the books um I, the, the crime syndicate. I don't think I've missed an appearance since I've been born and I've, I've gone back and read some of their stuff. Uh, they have great moments. You know, I, I really enjoyed when Jeff Johns brought them back in new 52 and I enjoyed Grant Morrison's earth Two book. I thought those were great. The squadron Supreme intrigue me. I have yet to read their uh, big opus that uh, Archie Goodwin was involved in. And I, I need to read that. I guess when it comes down to it, it's probably just the crime syndicate more just because they've gotten more modern appearances. But I will say the squadron Supreme, um, and they were, guess what? Reintroduced during the Marvel ultimate line when they were the just Supreme, I think they were called. I thought that was interesting looking. If I, at the time, if I had had more money, I would have purchased some of those books to check out what they had going on. Yeah. That, uh, the Supreme book that came, I, I believe it was Max where it came out was, was a real, real, real good book. So was it called Supreme powers? Is that what it's called? There you go. I think you're right. I think it was Supreme powers. So, so let's see, essentially just, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say the, the JLA team that we're going to be building or holding the other teams to would consist of the seven that we consider the seven. So Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman, and Martian Manhunter. Yep, the big seven, the founders of the JLA. We're going to take their evil versions and then have them go at it. Okay. So, go ahead. So, just to give a little bit of quick history, so... The Crime Syndicate of America, uh, they first came to us back in Justice League of America, Volume 1, Issue 29, back in August of 64, and it was a really neat idea. And then, of course, on the Avengers side of the fence, DC and Marvel have always enjoyed pitting their heroes against each other, but the lawyers keep it from happening. So Marvel decided, well, if we can't have the real thing, let's do the next best thing and create our own. So the first time we ever saw the Squadron, we saw them as the Squadron Sinister, <clears throat> and they first appeared in Avengers issue 69 back in October of 69. So basically from the mid to late 60s, we've always had an evil version of Superman running around in one or two of the of the respective universes. Of course, the boys that book came to us, what, about 2004, I think we said last time. Mm-hmm. So the first time we ever get to see, I don't think they made an appearance in the first issue be even like the first or second issue i think it took a, a couple let's see seven showed up in the first issue oh, they did okay so well there you go so back in what 2004 2006. The, uh, 2006 okay so that was the first time we got treated to the newer updated more evil more i don't know <laughs> reckless and wild version of superman yeah <laughs> that homelander gives us <laughs> so uh 
Uh, okay, let's well then, let's jump into it. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go ahead and let's start with the what's on what's on the bottom of the list of of JLA uh, members. Not that he's the weakest, because he's definitely the uh, one of the strongest, if not as strong as Superman. But Martian Manhunter, all those powers, just maybe not as well known. So, over at the crime syndicate, do we have? What'd you say? I said, yeah, he just hasn't hasn't had that marketing uh, to get him to that level of of appearance. But yeah, you're right; he is definitely a character way more stronger than Superman himself. Over at the Crime Syndicate of America, do we have a counterpart for Martian Manhunter? Yes. So for the Martian Manhunter, the evil, or not necessarily evil, but their uh, their outsider alien would be. Um, Skymax, the Scroll Master, uh, the Scrollian, or sorry, Skymax, the Scrollian Skymaster. Uh, he's a founding member of the Squadron Supreme, and he's oh, more so instead of being. Oh, well, yeah. So they didn't have one for the Squadron Sinister. Um, no, no, no. I meant because I said Crime Syndicate a second ago. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, so for the Crime <laughs> Syndicate, um, we have had so. He did have one featured during the uh, post-crisis era, uh, uh-huh. but he never even received a name. And when Grant Morrison decided to bring the crime syndicate back, uh, basically being Earth 2, so an evil version, um, he had a guy called White Martian. Uh, and he was the Martian man on our antimatter counterpart, but he was killed off pretty early. So we are going to give him another chance. We're going to pull mm-hmm. him out of comic book limbo. We're going to have him go up against those other two uh, Martian-esque characters. Okay, so that White Martian for the Crime Syndicate of America, uh, Squadron Supreme, we have Skymax, the Skrullian Skymaster. <laughs> uh, do we know anything about his power set? So basically, uh, with Skymax, he is a scroll. So Scrolls, as we've seen, we know that they have the shape-shifting ability. Um, and even then they can do certain things. Like the first time we meet the scrolls being in the classic 1960s um, uh, Fantastic Four, we could see that they could shrink down. So that's how they tricked people in believing Sue was a, a scroll. Uh, they can stretch, mimicking Martian or mimicking uh, Mr. Fantastic. Uh, they could have super strength mimicking the thing. And I don't think they did the flame. I think they just used their technology. So they are a pretty advanced race. Um, okay. But Skymax, he was actually experimented on basically kind of in the form of, um, God, now I can't think of his name, the uh, the Super Scroll. There we go. I guess that's what they called him. So he was, he was um, uh, enhanced, basically take on World Devourer, so Galactus himself. I don't necessarily see um, what his power set looks like. I would say, considering they deeply consider him a Martian Manhunter ripoff, then it's probably safe to say he's got all those powers. Okay. Uh, and then over on the seven in the comic books, we have Jack, the Jack from Jupiter, which is essentially Martian Manhunter and Captain Marvel put together. <laughs> Because he looks like a alien, and he gets his powers from yelling the word Carpo, which I have no idea why, because uh, he isn't really in the book all that much. Um, but 
he does have uh, flight and superhuman invulnerability. So he can't stay in that form, though, for too long because it's actually painful to be that way. Obviously, not as, as powerful as Martian Manhunter, not even as powerful as as Captain Marvel himself. But uh, that is our equivalent over there on the seven. So of the three, who's coming out on top? All right. So this is interesting because honestly, all three of them are weak. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jack from Jupiter, his abilities, he can't even maintain them for long. Uh, Sky Max, you know, he's, he, he hasn't even been developed character wise. So he's just there to represent an image. And even the white Martian was killed. Like he was killed off panel and introduced off panel. So <laughs> this is, this, this takes me back to that, that moment you brought up when they had a, uh, the skull or the, 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 the corpse of Bucky versus the corpse of Jason. God. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, here are these three. So, I mean, if it came down to it, if they're all alive and you put them into a situation, I would say White Martian loses because if he was able to be killed by somebody like Ultraman, he clearly doesn't have any fighting skill. Because when I look at Ultraman, I see, you know, a, a locomotive. I see raw power. I don't see intelligence. Um, so I don't think Martian Manhunter could, or sorry, White Martian could do anything. Um, when I look at Jack for Ju- Jack from Jupiter, I, I, you know, to me, he seems like just like some you know, frat boy who got powers and it's like, okay, this is fun and exciting, you know? So I would have to say, I think I give it to Sky Max uh, just because he's actually had some abilities. Um, he's had feats, you know, basically being experimented on in order to go after the world devourer. So, I mean, if you're going to try to make somebody that go up against Galactus, I think that's huge. Uh, he has survived. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's a feat that the other two don't have. So I think that's where my vote goes. What about you? So I was thinking that, uh, yeah, honestly, you just, to me, you just have to throw out Jack from Jupiter because you just don't know enough about him and his powers are pretty lame. He can't even stay invulnerable the whole time. So it came down to a scroll versus a white Martian. Like, that's all we know about these other two. And I have plenty of reference to go for scrolls and white Martians. Now, white Martians are often, feels like often described as more powerful than green Martians, but usually some type of offshoot. But a scroll, I know, and a super scroll is even worse. So I feel like the power set that is whatever Sky Max, the Scrollian Sky Captain or whatever it was called, uh, (laughs) you know, is he's got to have at least the powers of the super scroll. And I think that makes him fall out on top yeah and actually i'm glad you brought that up because if we play with the idea of white martians we know fire um affects yeah and we've seen we've seen a scroll beyond fire a la the 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 super scroll so they don't have a fear of fire so you're right so i think that gives that edge to sky max even that much more okay all right so moving on up Marvel gets one point. (laughs) Marvel. There we go. (laughs) Moving on up the list. Aquaman. Over on the crime syndicate. Who do we have there? For the crime syndicate, that's another one of those. uh, So with their Aquaman, we've only seen him in passing. Um, We didn't really have him with the original crime syndicate. 
We received Barracuda during the uh, Quardian post-crisis lineup. Again, not much of a use there. I think our best choice would probably be Seeking uh, from the New 52s in Justice League. Or, sorry, uh, their, their crime syndicate. So I would go with that one. He very much looks like the uh, the Aquaman of the 90s with the, uh, whatchamacallit, with uh, the hook hand and everything to that effect. Okay. I think he might be our best choice to go with in that regard. Okay. Then over on the Squadron Supreme. On the Squadron Supreme, we have Amphibian. Um, so let's get his information pulled up real quick. So again, he doesn't even have his own page. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of information about these lesser tiered characters. Uh, so uh, there really is not much written about him, actually. All, all you do is when you go out to investigate Amphibian, it just takes you page to page to page. So yeah, <laughs> not voting well for Amphibian there. <laughs> so just assume that he is yet another version of Aquaman, probably more like the traditional or maybe even Golden Age version of, of Aquaman. Yeah, I would say that's a safe bet. Okay. Then over in The Boys... We can we can talk about two different versions of the character, but I want to stick with the the for the battle the comic book version. So yeah. we have the deep, which plays a big part in the TV show right now. Um, in the TV show, he definitely wears like a '90s version of Aquaman's costume. Well, not '90s. I guess it's probably a little bit more of a earlier than that '80s version of the costume, right? Well, it's definitely it's very Aquaman esque. It's the full body suit, not the the namer running around in speedos, right? So you got the exposed arms, but yeah, it's definitely a classic Aquaman ripoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more of a classic Aquaman. Whereas in the comic book, the Deep wears more of a um, uh, helmet kind of costume. More, it looks. I mean, obviously, it throw it has an image more closer to Black Manta than that of aquaman and he's never seemed to have the ability to communicate with the sea life all that we see is that he has flight stamina and super strength so once again he in the comic book he doesn't really get a lot of play as he does in the tv show so it's harder to know uh how it is that he would handle being uh having to go up against other people especially since we talked about it last week they these soups don't really have to go up against other people. It's all play. It's all theater uh, to sell more stuff for Vought. So uh, how do you stack up these three? So when I look at them, um, if if the Squadron Supreme with Amphibian, um, obviously there's not much about him. So he looks like he's another very undeveloped character. Um, I would say that he he has no feats, so that doesn't give me much of an inspiration to say that the character could do anything, uh, except just be a posable Aquaman. Um, I again, we don't know what powers he has. Is he just able to withstand water pressure? Is he a great swimmer? What's the case with him? So I think that puts Amphibian at a deep, deep disadvantage. Um, when I jump over to the seven and I look at the comic book deep, I feel like I feel like he gets his powers more from his suit. 
Um, mm. I, I, haven't, I haven't read them, but to me, it looks like if he's got to go in the water and he's wearing that old time diver costume, I feel like if you busted his little mask, <laughs> he might <laughs> drown. <laughs> uh, so that doesn't inspire me for a aqua themed hero. If, if that's the case, um, but again, and it's a shame because that makes me feel sad for fans of Aquaman and Martian Manhunter. They, they, they get no respect, as Rodney Dangerfield would say. Um, <laughs> even when we look at Sea King, I remember the first time he appears in the, how um, was that crossover? The Trinity of Evil, um, when that happened during the New 52. He basically walks out of the portal and we see this, you know, badass looking aquaman and it's like okay cool and then he just flops to the ground basically dead um <laughs> Can we get a reason so, why i think ultraman attacked him if i remember correctly like uh-huh. i think he because that's the thing about that like that's why the crime syndicate never works is because they never work together right um so i i mean i i guess in that regard i i would say um squadron supreme's uh, amphibian comes in dead last because he's got nothing. Deep, I would I would give him a second uh, second tier just because it looks like he might have been able to do something. But as you mentioned before, the superheroes of this world are just play acting, so he might not even be able to withstand. But at least I could say, you know, the <laughs> uh, Sea King managed to have a death at the hands of of evil Superman. So there you go. <laughs> so I vote to the sea king saying well he at least died by way of superman so that's pretty <laughs> uh you know what? I'm, I'm gonna fall in the same um order as you do uh, one of the things i wanted to add is that i think i do remember from the boys comic book where uh the deep is like i don't even have sea sea powers or aquatic powers that you guys just gave me this outfit because i needed to be in, you know like themed with the ocean like it didn't make any sense so uh I yeah, he's definitely out at this point point for me. I, I wanna assume that Amphibian, if he's made it onto the Squadron Supreme, that he is powerful enough to take out uh the deep, which honestly just doesn't deserve my respect. And <laughs> the 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 look of the Sea King. If he is a nineties version of Aquaman with the, you know, just more ruthless, then yeah, I, I he's going to win, even if he does get taken out by Ultraman. Yeah. I think he just gets the win just by <laughs> he's the less crappy out of the three. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. Okay. Uh next oh wait, so that's what that's one for DC? Yep, so Marvel and DC are tied at one, and uh, the boys is in dead last with zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going into the Green Lantern over at the Crime Syndicate, we have uh, probably one of their better known characters because they always change with uh, the Green Lanterns of, of Earth, uh, Power Ring, right? Yeah, so we get Power Ring, the evil version of Green Lantern. Even with Power Ring, we've been lucky enough to see several versions of him. We've had a Hal Jordan one, and I believe he was just straight up named Hal Jordan. Or Harold Jordan, actually, sorry. Um, he wound up getting the ring from Volthoom. So the ring is what's the power there. The person is just stuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've seen an evil version of Jon Stewart and Kyle Rayner. Uh, so we've seen those guys appear 
in both well, and actually pre well post crisis, pre crisis, and New Fifty Two. So we've we've had all all runs of an evil Green Lantern in the form of Power Ring appear. Uh, over on the Squadron Supreme, we have Doctor Spectrum. Now, I only know Doctor Spectrum in comic books from the Supreme Powers book, and that he very much is a version of. Hal Jordan, where he is a Air Force test pilot, he comes in contact with this uh, outer space alien jewel that then implants itself in the middle of his palm and allows him to control uh, the light spectrum, so to speak. Yep. So do you have any other uh, experience with Dr. Spectrum? So I've seen him a little bit in the Silver Age. Um uh, it's kind of funny because the first time he is brought together, <clears throat> he's a villain of Iron Man. Oh, and so it, it turns out that it, like he's not the what you call it the um, the one that we're used to in the in the Squadron, both Sinister and Supreme. Okay, we've seen various ones there. Same thing. So we've had, I guess, a six one six version that was able to be a villain. Um, so. The power prism must exist on several different multiverses, I guess it would be. Um, so we've seen him as a villain of Iron Man. Uh, we've seen the classic one from the, the the group that we're talking about. And the one that you mentioned from the Max imprint, um, I, I, I actually read that, that six-issue Dr. Spectrum book. I thought it was really good. Um, and like you said, it was basically like, all right, here's how Jordan, but here's where the ring is not as forgiven. Um, right. So I thought that was a really interesting on the character uh, and then over on the seven i i would have to say the closest we have <laughs> to green lantern over there is lamplighter now we are just now getting invite in introduced to that character in the show um in the comic book at least to the point where i have read it like you don't really know the character all that well you just know that at one point um he suffered uh like a, a a killing blow like uh he let's see let's see what the thing says is in 9-11 he suffered some damage in both ribs and lungs when being hit by a plane's wing he was strangely medicated uh but his its side effects forced him to kill mallory's granddaughters his own team gave him to the boys who killed him but was revived to a zombie state uh hidden beneath the seven's headquarters plane in his own feces he was replaced by Starlight. So what is it that his actual powers are? Do What does it have to do with lighting lamps or having an outfit where you look like you were the old timey? I light the street lights <laughs> with a, a long stick. No idea, but uh, he's supposed to have been the equivalent to Green Lantern. Yeah, so that, that's it's not looking good for him. <laughs> 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 oh i mean the boys or the yeah the seven just don't seem to be holding up too well <laughs> with the rest of the their counterparts here uh let's let's hear your rundown of the three all right so I'll, I'll start with my last pick um i think it goes to lamplighter i just i mean clearly for the show which is the biggest exposure to um to the, the, the of the characters to pop pop culture mainstream continuity and all that fun stuff. So I mean, he looks like a guy who just runs around with a torch. 
Um, I would say they took, unfortunately, they took Green Lantern's powers at a superficial level. So he is light based. So it's like Dr. Light as opposed to it being actually Green Lantern. Mm -hmm. Even with um, Starlight, I don't see her making constructs. I just see her making things brighter or darker. That's all I see. She's also another Dr. Light. Yeah, so I would say that I, I that's how I felt they look at the character. So that's just not strong enough to go against somebody who can use the power to make blasts, to make constructs, you know. So I would say Lamplighter gets it last, and especially if they even, as you described, they, they took him and left him in a pile of his own feces. That's a pretty <laughs> sad death. So yeah. that's unfortunately the only feat I know of the character. So, yeah, so I put him in dead last. Um, now it comes down to a big battle. And this is what's going to be tough because when we look at both Dr. Spectrum and uh, Power Ring, there are, there are several versions of them. So knowing what I know of comics, I'm going to go ahead and take the Supreme Power version. So that was the Marvel Max. Uh, I'm going to take that version of Dr. Spectrum. Um, I thought he was great. I thought he was an interesting character. Um, it seemed like he had the best control over the power prism because the power prism is actually a sentient entity. But with the green lantern rings, it's sentient beings that give you these rings of power. So when they created these uh, pistache evil versions of them, they played with the idea that it would be um, a power that comes from a sentient being. So if I take a look at that version of the character... And I put him up against Power Ring, um, which also plays the same idea that the ring is in control. So you basically have two men that are just destined for failure because of their power source. Um, so I would say, I guess my my loser would be Harold Jordan. So even though I'm a big Green Lantern fan and I would want to see any aspect of win, but I think he loses because if the last time we've seen him, um, he was killed. You know, like when we when we had him in the Forever Evil series, he basically just got played out. The ring whooped him. Uh, it, it it made him such a punk. He was so fearful. Uh, there wasn't much to him. He was just a scared guy. So if you took away his ring, this is a guy that would he's just a purse purse snatcher. He's not anything special. Uh, the ring was where all the power came from. But even the ring itself was kind of looking like, OK, can I find that's better than this guy? You know, so the ring was just riding him to find the next bearer, which ironically enough wound out to be uh, Jessica Cruz, who went on to become a Green Lantern herself. I True. think it would be Power Ring would be the loser, and then Doctor Spectrum himself would wind up being the winner because. And again, I know I'm picking a, a specific version, but I did the same thing with uh, Power Ring. I feel that Dr. Spectrum, he had the most control that even though the power prism tried to tell him to do stuff in the end, um, what's his name? Um, Joseph Ledger. I think Joseph Ledger managed to have the greatest will to control his power. Mm. I could just see Joseph being like, okay, go watch lamplighter and powering both scurry in fear and powering might get lucky to kill lamplighter based off of, for survival but when it comes down to it when those two battle and use their powers yeah it's going to be dr spectrum taking the win so i give my point to marvel okay uh so yes <laughs> if i'm doing the rundown lamplighter is out like it's just 
<laughs> we have no idea what his power if if you can sit there and tell me that he he uses flame and then makes constructs with those flames kind of like like uh pyro from the x-men like huh? you might give him a little bit more of an advantage but we don't know that we don't know that for sure or not so uh lamplighter at this moment is out the door um i i, I see that uh, Doctor Spectrum is definitely the more powerful of the two between uh, Power Ring and Doctor Spectrum. But I think the interesting thing about Power Ring is that the power is the ring. And the ring itself is a parasite. It will attach itself to whoever to keep itself alive, right? Right. So even if Doctor Spectrum is able to defeat whoever is wearing the Power Ring at the time, whether it be Jessica Cruz or Harold Jordan or what was ever the Kyle Rayner version with the blonde hair or the John Stewart version. Um, it, it, it could possibly jump off of that person and, and then attach itself to Dr. Spectrum. And in that way wins, wins overall. Ooh, that's an interesting take. Yeah. I actually like that, that yeah. In the end it's like, well, it doesn't necessarily come down to it being, uh, Harold Jordan, it comes down to Volthoom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think Volthoom would actually be strong enough to jump on, override the spectrum, or the power prism, and the wielder. Ooh, okay. That's an so, interesting uh, uh, variation. I like that. I like it. That's what I was I was thinking about that, so I was like, I think that, that would be the version of the story that I wouldn't say, wait, we were one in, what, one Marvel, one, one DC at this point? Let's see. Let, let's let's do a tally. So, when it came down to, so we've got Marvel, DC, and then I'm going to just call it the seven. So when we did Martian Manhunter, we both agreed that Marvel got that point, correct? Yes, because yeah, because you said yeah, okay. We didn't. Neither one of us I thought that they at least had something. The other yeah. two had nothing. Okay. Uh, when it came down to Aquaman, we both gave our points to DC with with their Seamaster um, uh, or whatever his name was. So we went that way. This has been our third battle, so you're giving yours to DC. Yeah, DC. I'm giving mine to Marvel. So between us, that puts it three to three, DC and Marvel, and then the boys at Zilch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So I guess technically it's it's two Marvel, two DC. (laughs) Uh, Wait. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I don't know anymore. It doesn't matter. Don't um, worry, I got it. I'll, I'll keep score. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now we're on to the Flash, and I think this is kind of interesting because for this, uh, uh, well, we'll get to the seven with the Flash <laughs> over at the Crime Syndicate of America. Uh, they didn't go with a version of uh, Wally West or Barry Allen, right? So it's interesting. And I always wondered if there would be something. And I think that I know that would be a story right up your alley. How does Johnny Quick, because that's the evil name that we've received. But Johnny Quick is a legacy name because there was Johnny Quick, a.k.a. Johnny Chambers, who uses the formula 3X2 and da, 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 da. So he was a hero from the Golden Age back in 1941. He revived the right. name made him an evil guy back in the 60s as being part of the crime syndicate. Um, and so the first one we get basically would be an evil Barry Allen. Um, they did play with the idea that obviously when he died 
Arwen Barry died, so did their Flash. So we got a Wally West version. Um, but then pretty much it's only just been between those two, uh, just because that's how they only look at the Flash with those. So I would say we've had two versions of the the of the, the, the Johnny Quick, the evil Johnny Quick. But 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 they're not Johnny Quick, Johnny Chambers. They're actually Barry Allen and Wally West. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. Did not know that. I just assumed that it was actually Johnny Chambers. Over yeah. on, I mean, they they sent. He still has all the super speed powers though. But like, if I remember correctly, he just has he doesn't have the confidence that like our Barry Allen or Wally West has, right? Well, it's interesting. So if you look at the the evil Barry. He did fine. Um, he like, like he would cower because they played with that idea that, that criminals are a superstitious, cowardly lot. So when the when the chips did hit the fan, he'd kind of freak. He wouldn't have that confidence, but he did stand up for stuff. Um, when it came to the Wally version, they kind of played with that idea that um, that he became a junkie. Um, so it, it's more or less like he was just. Like as they called it in JLA Earth Two, he would take his speed juice uh, <laughs> and then play with that, and which is kind of funny because it kind of played with the idea that Wally West was going through when he first started really speeding up. He had to eat, so he had oh. to get his abilities from that. Because oh yeah, you know, yeah, ran you know a hundred miles. He's like, I need two burgers quick, <laughs> you know. <laughs> up all that energy and calories so they played with that and obviously they took it a step further by saying well why not just make it drugs uh so that would that would be that idea there over on the squadron supreme we have the wizard now this is also the name of uh a golden age speedster over there right yep exactly so it's kind of funny i don't know if they purposely did that on purpose or if it was a happy accident but yeah you have the uh the golden age wizard aka robert Frank, who was a member of the Invaders and all those Golden Age teams. <clears throat> and then when they gave us the um, the Squadron, they gave us the Wizard as well. Uh, then eventually they decided, well, you know, they wanted to start using the Wizard more because of the, of the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Of the of the the infin uh, the invaders, so they decided to revamp him, and basically now he got the nickname or he had the code name of Speed Demon. Wound up going on to become a Spider-Man villain. And then over in, when you get to the modern age, when they do the Max series of Squadron Supreme, you get the Atlanta Blur. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, essentially it was it's uh, just uh, was it the he fights crying three for the request of Nighthawk. So the Nighthawk version of, of essentially Batman over there, uh, gets this speedster that's from Atlanta to fight crime. Yep. Yeah. He pulls him out and says, Hey, instead of just using your power for gain, why don't you be a hero? Yeah. Uh, and then over in the seven, we have the one that we know that most people know is a train. Um, but he was also the successor to another speedster of the seven, the original speedster, the Marathon Man. So we don't know much about the Marathon Man. Let me see if it even says anything about why he's gone. Uh, the homelander wanted to abandon the mission, but Marathon persuaded him to continue by pointing out that Vod American would fire him, fire them if they left. However, homelander broke the plane 
when he was trying to slow it and killing Mr. Marathon in the process, he was placed by another speedster called A-Train. So he also died during the 9-11 crisis. Basically, the you know, the, the plane scene in the TV show? <laughs> yeah. They, that was, in the comic books, that was all during 9-11, and they went to go save uh, a plane full of people, and they really bungled it because they're not actually superheroes. They're just people with powers, and, you know, when they, they messed up everything, they uh, just killed all the people that were in there so that no, 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 none of it would come out. And then they never, they never put out there that they were on the plane. Yep, yeah. So, uh, if you were going to go up with Mr. Marathon, assuming that he is just a older version of A-Train, uh, same powers, he went up against uh, the Barry Allen version of Johnny Quick and the Wizard. Who, where, do you, where do you come out? Okay, so if we keep it that way, if we keep it basically the Silver Age-esque versions of them, so uh, Mr. Marathon Man, uh, Johnny Quick, the Barry Allen-style one, and Wizard... Uh, Silver Age one. I think in this regard, um, obviously, Mr. Mar- or Marathon Man loses it. I think, again, no, just, they have that, that, that weakness in the fact that they've never really been tried and tested, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, granted, this fight might be up his alley because it's, it's like, okay, hey, look, we're all just fast and speed, speed people. Um, so if it was a race, I think he might have a better chance there. Uh, that would be worthwhile, but I, I, I don't see any feats. And the fact that he basically died as a casualty tells me he's not fast enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that kind of, that winds up losing him. Um, then again, it, it kind of, you know, he didn't necessarily die of his own fault, but he wasn't fast enough or quick thinking to survive. So I think he comes in dead last. Uh, so now it comes down to Johnny Quick and the Wizard. I think I wind up going with the Wizard. I think I, I see him winning out more. Just because it's one of those things where the Wizard has had more feats. Uh, he's managed to go on and, and do things. Like, he actually left the squadron. Um, he's, you know, he's gone on, he's, he's peered in defenders. He's worked alongside them. Um, they basically played with their own idea of the, the crisis on infinite earth. So there was a giant laser and it was melting the, the Arctic ice caps. So basically like, uh, they run over and try to defeat it. But then again, the wizard gets knocked down and taken down by Submariner. So, that kind of lends to him not being quick thinking enough. And that was even kind of more the push that said to heck with it. And he becomes a thief and becomes the speed demon. He's been able to go up against, you know, Spider-Man and, and, and things like that. So he's able to hold his own. Um, when I look at Johnny quick, I just, I, he's never like, to me, he kind of feels like he's a thug who got speed powers. No. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, don't I don't see him going anywhere beyond that as I am looking at his information though this was kind of interesting and now I see where you're coming from with that uh, the post-crisis version of Johnny quick actually is revealed to be the antimatter golden age Johnny quick so you're right in that regard that he could have been the evil version of Johnny Chambers gotcha um, but the way I've always looked at it like I said he's always been an evil Barry they kind of play with that foil 
that they're opposites of each other. So if Barry's a genius, then Johnny Quick is not a genius. <laughs> so I would say that if we look at that in terms of power, it's got to come down to the mind because they're all equal in that regard. And I think that's where I give it to the wizard. I think he's able enough to say, okay, he's at least survived battles with heroes and villains. Um, he's managed to run away and fight another day. He hasn't died. Uh, Johnny Quick has died by, you know, by comics way of Barry Allen dying. So I would say that he has a death against him. Uh, Marathon Man has a death against him. Johnny Quick doesn't. So that's, or sorry, the wizard doesn't. So I'm going to give my vote to Marvel in that regard. Yeah, I was going to, I'm going to do the same. Uh, I think the wizard being a golden age hero, so to speak, or a silver age hero and being part of the, the invaders and all that stuff. And, and and then moving forward to being part of the Squadron Supreme, I'm gonna say that he is more than likely the uh, with the the victor in in the power set. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Marvel on this one. Now, if you jump ahead to A Train, Atlanta Blur, and uh, the Wally West version of um, Johnny Quick from the Crime Syndicate of America, where do you fall? Ooh, okay. Now in this case, then, so I, so looking at it again, and I'll stay right off the bat. I don't know much about the Atlanta blur. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to unfortunately give him weakness that I'm not sure of, but it looks like when he got his ability, he just really wasn't doing much. Uh, it, it says here he was a, an urban legend. So it looks like he was fighting crime. Um, but then eventually he goes public and then finally night night Hawk is like, well, why don't you be a hero as well? So it kind of seems like, like Atlanta blur is the basis for, uh, a train. Yeah. Kind of be more of a survivor, but he's also a junkie. And so is the Wally West Johnny quick. So I would say while the three of them are fighting, these are guys that like, like, unfortunately Atlanta blurs, Altruism might be a, a a bad thing here because he's not a cheat <laughs> and he's run he's running against two cheaters and junkies. So I think he winds up losing out. So I would take him out of the equation pretty quick. Then I could almost see that when Johnny Quick, the Wally version, is about to shoot up some drugs that that speed juice, I could see A Train being like, Oh, this looks interesting, and just getting it and taking it which kind of gives him a little bit more of a boost. And since he's already been playing havoc with drugs, he doesn't care for what it does to him. Like if, if he goes off the handle, that's okay. That just makes him even that much better for it. So I'm going to give my first point to the boys. <laughs> I'm going to give it to a train just because I think his dirty tactics are better than junkie johnny's <laughs> you know it's funny is that i fall uh in the same i'm gonna give my point to the to the a train but i it didn't it didn't I, I didn't take the the um using the speed juice uh version that you did or train that you did which i i enjoy i, I love that idea that he would do that um yeah atlanta blur like not that there's anything wrong with him but the most I know about him is that he's called the Atlanta blur. And if you're just the fastest person in Atlanta, that doesn't help me when you have to go up against everybody else kind of thing. Uh, the, the, the Wally West version of Johnny quick. 
he does have to use the speed juice, but he has to use the speed juice. Like if he doesn't have that, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not on, he's not in the race, so to speak. Whereas a train, you know, constantly is quote unquote doping himself with more, uh, compound V like, yeah, if he were to got get a hold of some speed juice to go, to go along with it, then he's just killing everybody. So, uh, I'm giving my point to a train as well. There we go. So actually, if we've noticed something here, it's kind of funny because I like that idea you did with the the evil Green Lantern battle, that power ring, the ring itself wins. And then here we get speed juice winning. So it's like those auxiliary bits <laughs> are, are playing favor for others. <laughs> Very much so. All right. Now we're getting into the big three. We got Wonder Woman over in the crime syndicate of America. That is Superwoman. And the version I know is a super-powered version of Lois Lane. Yeah, that's right. They um, they made her basically a very uh, negative person, um, but she has been a, a Lois Lane. So back in 64, she is the evil Wonder Woman. Um, I, they've played it both ways where she is an Amazonian. And when she left the Amazon, she came to Earth and took on the guise of Lois Lane. Uh, but they've also had it to be play out where she is Lois Lane and she just has the powers. Uh, but definitely I've always viewed her as an evil Amazon. So I think that gives her a fighting edge uh, just because she will still have that ability of, of, of uh, tactic and, and, and battle skill. She's just unhinged because of her evilness. Yeah. We've seen her go about. And then over in the Squadron Supreme, we have the Power Princess. Yeah, so we, we've received her. Uh, same thing, very Amazon-esque character. Um, <clears throat> I would have to say, I th- I, I've seen her kind of get phased in and out. Um, definitely, I know one of her feats, um, when they had her in the Supreme Power, uh, she was hooking up with the Hulk. <laughs> so, you know take that take that feat for what you will <laughs> I mean, she, even in that version of her uh i remember when they had the big ultimate universe and max universe version uh, crossover event they left nick fury in the S- supreme powers universe and uh they let they had power princess come over to the ultimate universe so uh she's definitely uh up there in in the power um uh, scale so to speak yes yeah uh, and then in the seven we have queen mave which obviously is modeled heavily off of wonder woman uh often uses a sword in the tv show she uses a shield um i'm not sure if she does in the com or er, in the comic book version of it or not uh i don't remember seeing a shield all that often but uh if you had if you had to to choose you know where where would you go with with these three characters so in this one and again for this battle my my uh my indicator towards the win is their sinisterness so when mm. i look at queen mave i don't see her being a bad person like honestly out of all these characters she probably could have been a legit hero if Vought was a good person, like I right. could see them saying, 
hey, you have this ability, and she could have. Uh, just because, again, and I'm using the show to help me here, but when I saw that episode on the plane, she was the one who was, like, genuinely trying to save people. You know, it was just Homelander was being a mega dick about it. Um, so I think she's got too much heroics in her which is kind of the downfall that i gave to the atlanta blur like they're too altruistic and that's not going to help them you know they might see something happen and try to help the villain while the villain could be playing possum so i think kind of queen mave gets the short end of the stick in that regard um when i look at the crime syndicates superwoman she has been nothing but evil um I mean, if we think about things in, of manipulation, she's able to manipulate Owlman, the evil Batman, and uh, Ultraman, the evil Superman. Like, she's manipulated them into the point where they have, like, a three-way relationship. So she's essentially cuckling Superman while running around with Batman. Uh, so that's pretty intense. And, like, she's open about it. She's not hiding it. You know, she doesn't care. So she is a very malicious person. So she's able to play her Superman when Queen Maeve is at the, the, the torments of Homelander. I can definitely see Superwoman taking the win there. When I go to the Marvel side of things, when it comes to Power Princess, a.k.a. Uh, Zarda, I don't even think she is a queen. Like, she might get considered Princess Zarda, which, you know, fits in with Princess Diana of Wonder Woman as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I don't think, I don't even think I really see her, like, yeah, she, okay, she does have flight listed as an ability, um, but I've seen her get dropped off the team, like, I've seen cases of the squadron, and I haven't seen um, our princess there, I've seen somebody else step into her place, so that tells me if she's able to be replaceable by even the Marvel team, I don't think she can hold her own. So I would have to say my vote goes to Superwoman just because, like I said, if she can play Owlman and Ultraman while always being consistent on her team, um, that means Queen Maeve comes up short because she's been victimized by Homelander. And then that means uh, Zarda comes up short as well because she has not been a consistent factor on her team. So I'm going to go with Superwoman getting the point. Okay, so I would say this about Queen Maeve. In the comic book, she doesn't come off as as redeemable as she does in the TV show. Um, the exact same thing does happen in the comic book on the in the plane where she's the one that's trying to save people, and then Homelander's like, "Nah, just forget about it. Like, kill these people. Let's get the hell out of here." Uh, and then after that point, she's a lot more um, desensitized, I guess is a way to put it, or or um, crude and more on on board with just being like oh yeah we're you know we're, we are what we are um then you do have superwoman who essentially has all the powers uh of wonder woman and probably even a little bit of superman's powers i don't know does she have heat vision too which one for superwoman for superwoman yeah I believe she does. Let's see if they list it. They don't. They say superhuman strength, speed, healing, flight. She has magical weaponry. So basically the, the sword. I've seen it, but if they don't list it. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the, that version of her. But I th- I think that I have to give the edge out to Prince Princess Zarda, uh, Power Princess, because it does seem like she's been trained, like she is tra- trained in the way of fighting. Whereas 
just like when you fight, you put Superman and Batman up against each other. Like Batman, well, I guess not not Batman, and but person that has the ability to actually do hand to hand combat, where Superman relies a lot on his strength, right? Right. Uh, oh, here's the better here's the better thing. It was the Hulk versus Thanos in the movie, in uh in in game. Like you see the Hulk go up to, or I'm sorry, Infinity War, not in game. You know, the Hulk go up to him and he he's just using his pure strength to try and fight him. Whereas Thanos has the ability to actually combat hand to hand. He knows how to parry and stuff like that. Uh, that's what Power Princess has. She has that ability of being, uh, what is it? They call it the Utopians, which is essentially just the Amazonians. Like she is comes from a race of fighters. So with her powers and the ability to fight, I would give her the advantage. Okay. Ooh, so that that that's the breakaway point right there. Yeah. So oh. with with that, that puts Marvel at six points, DC at four, and then the boys at two. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. All right. Here comes the big one of the big fights. Batman. Over in the Crime Syndicate of America, we have Owlman, Thomas Wayne Jr. Yeah, so that's been an interesting, that's definitely a, a, a newer concept because I want to say with his first appearance in the Silver Age, I don't even know if they gave him a secret identity. No, yeah, they did call him Thomas Wayne II. Um, mm. I, 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 but I don't think they played it out like they've done with newer stuff, probably post and Morrison where it's like, Oh no, it turns out there was another child of the Wayne family, but that is definitely something to consider the fact that he is named Thomas Wayne jr. So could he be carrying some of that Thomas Wayne abilities? I'll have to find out when we decide. Uh, over in the squadron Supreme, we have Nighthawk. Now I'll have to admit, I don't know much about the Nighthawk character. He's an interesting one. Um, so, because there's been there's been several versions of Nighthawk as well. So they've they've pretty much been the mainstream one being Kyle Richman, uh, because he was the first. So that was the Squadron Sinister one. Um, they've played with a Nighthawk being part of the Marvel Universe, so a six one six one. So there was a character jo- uh, Joaquin, and I'm guessing that must be Joaquin. Um, uh, Richmond as well, but he was very much a Marvel Universe actual hero. Uh, then finally, when they did the the Squadron Supreme, when they they had them be the heroic versions of themselves, um, they played with bringing back Kyle again, Kyle Richmond, uh, and he was the one that during their big Squadron Supreme story, he was the one who decided because essentially they had civil war. Uh, and the heroes decided to unmask themselves and basically say, like, look, this is what we're going to do. Uh, Kyle Richmond was a, I think he actually might have been president of the United States. This is a Batman who has managed to make it to being president of the United States. And he stood against the Supremes, against the squadron. He was like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take this. Um, then during the, um, let's see, um, the, the, the New World Order, they played with creating a new one, the Neil Richmond version as well. Uh, but it pretty much always goes back to being Kyle Richmond. Now, they've they've changed his races and stuff. So, like, when they did Supreme Power, this time they made him African-American. 
so sometimes that has stuck. Sometimes it hasn't. Most recently, we have gotten them back again uh, in the Avengers book under Jason Aaron, and they've played with the idea again of him being African-American. It always seems to go back to that Kyle Richmond. So he's definitely the best part. He's definitely a tactical genius. And I would say, again, they've at least seen a Kyle Richmond become president of the United States. So that tells me that he is he's a very smart man who can you know, get himself in positions of power. Okay. Uh, I, I remember the version from the Supreme Powers uh, book and uh, it being African-American, I think. If you watched the newest show, uh, the new show Watchmen that came out uh, around Christmas time last year, um, their version of what was the the, the masked guy? Uh, who's the who's the Watchman that has the the noose around his neck? Do you remember? Oh, Hangman, I think. Hangman. Or Hooded, Hooded Justice. Hooded Justice. Thank you. Yeah, they kind of have a similar story that I because I was remember when I was watching that I was like that story sounds so familiar. And I think if I'm getting into the backs of my, my brain, it's the same as Nighthawk uh, from the Supreme power book. So uh, there's that. Um, Now over in the seven, we have black noir and I don't remember seeing much about him in the comic book. uh, But in the TV show, we most recently saw a lot about him and He's he's definitely the the ninja version of Batman, but he also has superpowers. So he's kind of Midnighter, I guess, is a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's probably what, the safer way to compare him. <laughs> what what's your take on on Black Noir? So this is tough because if we talk about a comic book spoiler, Black Noir is a clone of Homelander, correct? Right. He was created to stop Homelander in case Homelander went off the rails. So that's basically Superman in a Batman costume. Um, the TV show one, we don't know much about him. Like we we haven't seen anything. I mean, he's very much powerful. Like I haven't seen him fly, so I don't know if they'll say he's a direct you know clone of Homelander. But I mean, we've seen him take blast and punishment. And he's able to heal. Plus, he can play a mean piano. Uh, he's, yeah. got some- <laughs> he's got some what? He's got some skills, you know. Oh. <laughs> um, I guess if it comes down to it, so we, we throw them all into a, a, a vat and let them fight. I guess, honestly, I think Oh Man comes out the loser here. Really? Uh, yes, just because. So when I think of Owl Man... Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way he's been drawn, but he doesn't look as cut. He looks like he might be a little bit portly. Um, You know, all his costumes have been horrible until they did the redesign in Earth 2. But, I mean, he literally ran around with, like, it looked like he just took, like, an owl's head and put it on top of his head. (laughs) Like, uh, coming from a design standpoint, it was just awful. Um, he, He definitely seems like a master manipulator. He's a talker. I just, I, I haven't seen him hold his own. Oh man, I know you could say, well, there's probably like, there's comics out there where he has gone toe to toe with Batman, and that's great. I think he just comes out the the weakest of the bunch here. So, yeah, I would definitely say that uh, he is the more of the strategy version of of Batman. He he's not so much the fighty hand to hand version of Batman. 
Yeah, exactly. So it's so he's very much a strategist. So he's going to try to talk his way out of it. But if you're talking your way to Nighthawk, you know, Kyle Richmond is going to see past that. And it doesn't matter which version you pick of him, the classic comics or the the, the the ultimate power version. I think either one of them is just going to get tired of his stuff and beat the living crap out of him. I think Nighthawk <laughs> is able to take down the owl, man. But then if it comes down to it, so now we're left with Nighthawk versus Black Noir. I think Black Noir gets the win because from what I've seen, this guy takes a punishment. And from Nighthawk, he definitely is not a powered man. So if you take that into fact with Owlman and Nighthawk being very close to Batman not being powered, Black Noir has that edge because he at least has a healing factor or he is Superman. So I think both those guys lose to it. So I'm going to give my point Black Noir. Uh, yeah, I'm, my point goes to Black Noir as well, just because of what we've seen and what we know. Uh, how do you go? I mean, he took a, a explosion to the face and, and lived. So <laughs> how is anybody else going to beat that? And, and Kyle Richmond himself is just a, is just a man. Not that, um, you know, that can't do anything, but it's not a powered man, a super powered man. So yep, exactly. you have it all right. So wow, that? We, this is an interesting change now. So Marvel <laughs> is in the lead with six and DC and the seven are tied at seven or sorry, they're tied at four. So <laughs> that, the uh, black noir definitely helped pick up the battle pace there. <laughs> so it's six, four and four is what you said. So this is, this is going to be interesting because if, Depending on the way the votes go, we could either tie Marvel tie win. They could either tie. Yeah, it's either Marvel wins or or ties. Yep. So this is going to be interesting. So uh, <laughs> here it is: the big fight. Superman himself over in the crime syndicate of America. You have Ultraman. Now Ultraman is I believe I. So I don't know which version of him is the most accurate version, but I know that he uses kryptonite to gain his powers as opposed to taking his powers. Yeah. So the way they would play it out, even if you go all the way back to the original one, um, kryptonite, like obviously Superman was like, oh, well, kryptonite takes me down. So let's try this against Ultraman. And when they exposed kryptonite to him, it gave him more powers. It, it enhanced him. Um, because like, yeah, Barry Allen throws kryptonite at Ultraman thinking, oh, well, this hurts Superman, so it should hurt him. And instead it wound up giving him heat vision. <laughs> so it was like, okay, <laughs> not good. Like he keeps getting new powers. Um, but again, they did put in that thing where it's like, okay, they gave him a large enough piece and it paralyzed him because he had so many new powers that his body couldn't handle it. Wow. All right. Could come back as a flaw against him. Um, as they've played it though. So the new 52 version that was introduced, he had it rough because a light hurts him. So that's why they wound up creating that giant uh, eclipse. So they put, you know, they put the the world in total darkness. Uh, so they played that out, but they also played up a fact that he's a junkie because that's where they had that famous scene where he flies over to Luther, steals that piece of kryptonite, crushes it into fine dust, and snorts it. Right. So they played with that idea. Uh, I think the post-crisis version is the best because he is Superman. Kryptonite doesn't hurt him. And he can go out in the daytime or nighttime. So that one's been 
pretty much the best version of him. That's the Earth 2 version, right? Yeah, well, yeah, they'll play with it Earth 3, Earth 2. Post-Crisis is the best one. Gotcha. Uh, Over in the Squadron Supreme, we have Hyperion. Now, Hyperion is a pretty big character. Um, Also, the version I know the best is the Supreme Powers version where he was kind of similar story to Homelander. He's a baby. Well, except for he's a baby that was found, uh, an alien baby that was found, taken by the the U.S. government, raised by two people acting to be their his, you know, parents and then uh, growing up with powers, so to speak. Uh, obviously Homelander, uh, is a, was a baby that was taken and, uh, given powers or at least was given powers before birth, um, and raised by the, by Vought International, like by the same thing. So Hyperion, does he have any powers that are different than that of Superman? So with Hyperion, um, Let's see here. What they give him, they give him the superhero strength, speed, stamina, durability, flight, enhanced uh, perception, so atomic vision, you know, uh, things like that. He has been a journalist. Um, He does have regenerative healing factor uh, because of cosmic energy manipulation. It looks like in his travels throughout the universe and multiverse, he has picked up some new things. So maybe some cosmic abilities due to being exposed to uh, different systems. And then Homelander, everybody's favorite psycho, uh, drapes himself in the in the American flag. Is all about his ratings uh, through Vought International or Vought American, and uh, it was willing to do whatever needs to be done to keep the idea of the seven in everybody's uh, mind and uh, to get keep his money rolling in. So, uh all the powers of Superman that we know of none of the weaknesses. I don't know of any kryptonite to uh Homelander. Do you? I've seen, and I feel like if they had it, they would have played it by now. Like they would have used that to keep him in check. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. In either way, the only difference that I can really see, from the Homelander in the comic and the Homelander in the mo- in the TV show is that the Homelander in the comic is a little bit more cunning. He's a little bit more intelligent. Um even to the point where maybe he's a sociopath and the version that's in the TV show is a psychopath where he doesn't really understand that he's doing the wrong thing. Right. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, uh, where do you have, where do you, who, who falls out on top between these three? Ooh, so this is tough. So I guess right off the bat, who do I take out of the equation? <clears throat> take out Ultraman. Sorry, DC. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, he's just, it's one of those things where it's like smarter dog wins a fight. Um, so with, with Ultraman, yeah, he might get lucky and go on a rampage and stuff like that. But the, the reason he never wins is because he's not smart. I mean, the guy is getting played by Owlman and I just ruled out Owlman as a loser earlier. So if you're getting <laughs> played by Owlman, by default, you lose. 
Uh, he is a tough character, but he's all flash, no substance. He is not a tactical genius. He's he's not much. So I, I mean, even in Crisis on Infinite Earths, his big moment when you know when the the antimatter wave was coming was basically just flying headfirst into it. He loses all the time. So I say no to Ultraman. I, I think he winds up losing. So now you come down to Homelander and Hyperion. Hyperion, I've read a lot about him, and I've seen him be introduced in the comics several different ways. Um, if I look at it, it, it's kind of the same thing. Though. The one thing I've ever noticed about uh, Hyperion, and what do they do? They give him the, the nickname of Marcus Milton, Mark Milton. Um, I, he's not a smart man. No offense to him. Um, you know, he, he, he definitely like when he tried to have a secret identity, it was just like, Oh, well I became a, you know, a construction worker. And it's like, so he basically still had to play with his powers. He couldn't find anything more to do with himself. Like he couldn't exercise his mind. He just was like, Hey, you know, I could build, I could build stuff faster. And because I'm stronger. Um, but when I do look at Homelander, I also see somebody that, and the guy's drinking breast milk on the show. So it's like, okay, uh, this guy, he's not flying around with a good head on his shoulders. But that scares me. <laughs> I think when it comes down to it, we could argue the powers are very, 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 very similar. Maybe even just finally give in and say they are the same. Um, Hyperion is always played off as the last survivor. Um, I mean, even to the point when Marvel Comics themselves did their Earth X, when they did Paradise X, he was one of the characters recruited to help fix, you know, the, the universe of everything. Um, he, he's always been himself when it comes down to the portrayal in the squadrons. Um, you know, so I think his weakest version would probably be the one that you brought up with Squadron Supreme, he was raised by the government just because they, they played with him a little bit worse. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think that sociopathness wins. I'm going to go with Homelander just because, as you mentioned earlier in the description, what is his weakness? I don't know. You don't so I don't know about that guy. I, I, I don't know what he's going to be able to do. So, I mean, until he decides he recognizes he's doing something far evil or he wants to quit, I don't see him stopping. And with Hyperion, I could almost see him going out of the way to save people because that innate goodness still exists in him. So I could see Homelander exploiting that because if they take the idea that, oh, yeah, even during uh, – 9-11, he sacrificed a plane full of people. Or on the TV show, we saw, like, he used that to manipulate uh, Maeve. So this guy's a sick son of a gun. So I'm going to go with Homelander getting the vote. But before you make a decision, I'm going to throw it on your ultimate shoulders here, Mitch. Marvel is at six points. <laughs> Boys is at five points. And DC is at four. <laughs> so if you give your vote to DC, you tie them, and Marvel wins. If you give your vote to... Uh, the boys, they tie with Marvel and then we'd have to figure out something. Or if you give your vote to Marvel, then they went out. Right. So no pressure, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say this. I, I don't want to throw out uh, Ultraman too quickly. Like I, I, I understand what you're saying. Yes, he is a junkie. He needs the, the kryptonite to, to be more powerful and stuff like that. I right. just want to take into account that on his earth, as part of the crime syndicate America, he is one of the rulers of that world of that universe they've taken over planet after planet 
and to the point where they've destroyed their universe and are coming into uh you know earth <laughs> one or whatever you want to call it to try and take over that too and that That's is no no small feat like he is the leader of that group even if it's it is between him and Owlman. but you're right Owlman does play him all the time but however he just doesn't have the strategy to take on the other two so Owlman is out i get what you're saying about the psychoticness of uh homelander i i get that I just think that if you put up a, another character that's just as powerful as him, and and honestly, in the show, do we know if he's the most powerful or is he just the most crazy? Like, is he just the most sinister? But if you put up another character that's just as powerful as Hyperion is, and he just starts to lose, is he going to be able to handle that? Now, this could go two ways. It could break him to the point where he goes uh, Nova and just kills everything and and blows up or it could be the other it could go the other direction and and shut him down completely where he's just a blubbering mess which he could be because look at what he like he's fixates on on being uh a good boy and drinking breast milk kind of thing (laughs) Uh, i honestly feel like he would it's the latter for me so with hyperion being who he is being as powerful as he is and if you take the Supreme Powers version, I think a little bit more intelligent. The hyper, the su- powers, their squadron Supreme version, uh, being as strong as he is, like because it almost feels like Silver Age version of Superman. Uh huh. I think I have to give it to Hyperion, giving Marvel the edge and winning. Yeah, that, that distanced them. Wow. And but you know, you, you bring up a good point, like Hyperion. Because you know what? I I like what you said about Ultraman. I didn't think about it that way. I mean, the guy, he has caused the destruction of multiverse. You know, like he has been like, hey, man, we destroyed our our world. So now we're here for yours. So that's huge. Um, So that Mm -hmm. gives him that that outsider aspect, because I think that's something that they really try to play with these evil supermen is that they're outsiders. So we've seen with Ultraman that, you know, you could almost probably argue that it was like, at Jor El, evil Jor El was like, I destroyed Krypton, ha ha ha, you know, but here I'll send my kid to go be the the destroyer of worlds. Uh, so he's been an evil person. He's a, he's a loose dog. Um, but with Hyperion, I, I like your explanation because I do agree. I He is a survivor. He's gone from planet to planet to planet to planet. You know, he, he does not lose. He does not, does not, quit, you know, and, and that's where it would have gone for me. But like I said, I just, I felt that, for Homelander, I think if he's losing, he would just start blasting people, which might uh, cause home or cause Hyperion to freak out and try to save people. But you also brought up an interesting point that it could have gone that way, that if Homelander sees he's losing and he's not that perceived good boy, yeah, he might wind up just freaking out and losing it. And then maybe that's what gives the edge. So we definitely played both sides of those battles. One where Homelander his sinisterness is going to come over Hyperion's um, heroicness, but then also you exploited Homelander's wantfulness in regards to Hyperion's survival. So, yeah, well played, well played, no, well played to you too. I, I, but I am also not uh, upset about the Squadron Supreme coming out ahead on on <laughs> on our little battles here. 
You know, I, I do agree with that. Like, yeah, giving it to the Squadron Supreme because ultimately the crime syndicate, like, they're just a team by association. It's like, well, because there's the JLA, that's why we're together. Because ultimately, like, if you look at these, I would say their best, probably famous incarnation would probably be from the four evil, forever evil crossover in um, the new 52. Right. Um, and even then, like, it's the, the top three are playing against each other. Uh, then your other members, Atomica, which is an evil female atom, Bonnie Quick, Grid, which is an evil uh, cyborg, Power Ring, and Deathstorm, which is an evil Firestorm. Like, they're just playing each other. They're not doing anything to build each other up or to be much of a team. So that division in the ranks is costly. That's going to that's gonna hurt them. Um, so I could definitely see them coming in last as what we showed with our votes. Uh, the seven, they're, they're not real. You know, they're just created to be public image. Like it's funny. Cause as I'm looking at their, their fandom page, uh, the picture for the seven is basically kind of mocking the watchman's art. Yeah. Um, David Evans art style. So I feel like that's exactly like that might've been a fun battle. Maybe we'll do that someday where it's the watchman versus the seven. Um, but that's what they feel like. They're just like, they're pre-posed heroes. You know, they're, they're not in the game because they chose to be. They're in the game because of merchandising. So they don't really have any experience. They could at least work together because they realize that, hey, if I push you forward, that helps get me a little bit forward as well. So they'll have that at least teamsmanship. But in the end, they won't come through. But the Squadron Supreme, they've been a team. They've worked together, and there's only been one time where they've ever gone against each other, and that's because of probably just because mainly of Nighthawk, because he has this truer sense of justice, while the rest of the team is like, look, we're okay with winning. You know, it's like, I have $1 million, I'm rich. Nighthawk, on the other hand, is like, no, I can get us $10 billion. Yeah. So, yeah, but we're okay with being rich, you know. <laughs> but ultimately, they are more cohesive as a team, so that's why they'll always come on, on top. There we go. We settled it. <laughs> so if you have a different opinion than us uh, on these three teams, we'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Chris, where can people find you online? You can definitely find me on Twitter as well. I am Stuff I Should Say, uh, should being spelled S-H-U-D. And please check out the Geek Elite media website uh we are putting out as much content as we can and right now rafa and i are doing an exciting series over batman against captain america comics and then you can also check out my new comic book reviews and news over at aiptcomics.com the rest of geek elite media is at geek elite media on twitter at geek elite media on instagram and facebook.com forward slash geek elite media is our facebook page check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website geekelitemedia.com please go check out our Patreon account. Uh, you will see things like reimagine if, which is the bonus to this episode that we will record and uh, put up there exclusively for Patreon, as well as other exclusive material that you can only get. If you're one of our patrons, then whatever podcatcher you use to listen to our podcast, please rate and review us so that you can help spread the word of our network so that others can also enjoy it. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.